Welcome to the Christian Center's Sermon of the Week. So we know that Jesus was attending a wedding celebration in Cana. And this is where we see Jesus' first miracle. Or in fact, actually, John calls it a sign. John refers to Jesus' miracles in the book of John as signs. And he does this deliberately because signs point to something or it points to someone. And the signs we see here are all pointing to Jesus because this is where Jesus reveals his glory, his power, and who he is. Because we know that Jesus isn't just claiming by words that he's the son of God. He demonstrates it. And, it's, and that's what I love about Jesus. I love how Jesus modeled the way we should live. Jesus didn't just say this is how we should live. He modeled it for us. He showed us. And we see that in this story, we see this so powerfully in this story, so Jesus attends this wedding in Galilee, right? I'm just going to give you guys a, a bit of a background on the setting. Now, you guys must understand that wedding celebrations in these days were significant events. They were big. They were huge. They were actually some of the most significant local events um, or celebrations that people experienced all year because these were little villages. And so weddings was like this thing of community where people come together, they have fun, they celebrate, and they just experience joy. And these weddings were actually the symbol, or sorry, the go-to symbol of joy and community. And this is what Jesus was a part of. Jesus and his disciples and Mary attended this wedding. So I just want to read um, from John, and we're going to break down the scripture. Because guys, there's some awesome, awesome revelation in this book, and I pray that, I pray that you guys will hear it, and that you guys will receive it. So I'm going to be reading from John 2, uh, 1 verse to 11. So on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Then Jesus replies, Woman, why do you involve me? And Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants, sorry, though the servants who had drawn them knew the, where the water came from. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So there's two things I want to focus on today. The first part, I want to talk about the significance of Jesus' miracle. What this means. Why would he turn water into wine? And then the second part I want to focus on is the participation of the servants in this miracle. So we know that we know that the new wine represents new life. Not only did Jesus produce new wine, he produces the best wine. 
And this talks about our eternal life in Jesus. That's what Jesus offers us. He offers us the best. That when we come to him, we become new. We become a new creation in Jesus Christ. Not in our own ability, but in him. He's the one who changes us. And this change can only happen through Jesus, just like we see in the story. Jesus is the one who brings the new wine. He brings the change to our lives. And so often we try our best to change our own behavior, right? We can get so caught trying to change our own behavior, trying to create the wine ourselves. But we have to remember that Jesus is the one. We try to produce our own wine and we try to produce holiness by correcting our behavior. And then we find ourselves stuck, not realizing that it's only in him that we can be changed and that we can be found. It's only in Jesus that we're able to have that new wine. And this is where we see Jesus' glory revealed. Because he came to earth for a purpose. He came for you and I. And that was to restore us to the Father and to offer us a new life in him. You see, when we read in this passage that Jesus asked the servants to fill the jars with water, these jars were between 20 and 30 gallons, which in liters is 75 to 113 liters. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. So we see here that Jesus doesn't just produce the best wine, but he also produces abundance of wine. And what does that mean? What does that mean? That Jesus doesn't just offer us life. He offers us life in abundance. He offers us life. He offers an abundance of peace, of joy, and of love. A love that never runs out and a love that never fails. And even in an abundance of forgiveness. This is why for, for we just, when we keep pursuing the Lord, we just go deeper and deeper with God because it never runs out. There's, an, there's, a, there's this abundance. And the one thing about Jesus is that he always exceeds our expectations. And there's no limit to God's love in our lives. But we always have to remember that it's Jesus that produces the new wine. It's Jesus that makes us holy and it's Jesus that brings us close to the Father. In fact, for me, I find myself learning more and more about God every day, just loving him deeply. I, find him, I sometimes find myself reading the same scripture, like when I found out that I was going to preach on this chapter, I read it every day since I found out, which was, I think, a month or two ago. And every time I read it, there's like new revelation. There's like a new depth to God that I learn and I understand because there's just that abundance. There's an overflow of learning. And I find myself reading the Bible every day and just getting more hungry. <clears throat> and I find new revelation and new wisdom in the same verses because God gives it to us in abundance. And that's what I want to encourage you guys today. Let us seek the Lord so that he can give us the desire to be Christ-like. It's only in Christ that we can become Christ-like. In fact, if you look at the setting of the story, it's at the wedding celebration where there's community, there's love, and there's joy, and Jesus is a part of that celebration. And him being there, it produces more joys in the hearts of the people. Because what do we see? We see a situation where they're running out of wine, or they ran out of wine. So now the party and the, 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 the wedding celebration is actually about to be ruined. But we see that in their need, Jesus arrives. And it's in our needs that Jesus comes, that he's with us. 
and that he will bring us that joy and that peace that we need and what we need in that moment. You see, without Jesus, the celebration would have died. And without him, we have no life. And it's only in him that it's found. He is the source of our joy. He is the source of our peace. It is not in our circumstances or stuff around us. It's in him. So when our situation changes and life gets tough, the finances are tight, relationships are broken, we don't find joy and peace in those things. We find joy and peace in Jesus. We find life in him because joy and peace is our inheritance. And this is what I love so much about Jesus. As I said earlier, he modeled this way of life. He modeled it for us. We see how in this little town, there was a wedding celebration and Jesus was a part of it. He didn't stand on the outskirts until, he, he was, until they needed him to turn water into wine. He was a part of the celebration. He was dancing, he was singing, he was having fun with everybody. He modeled the joy, he modeled that peace. He didn't just speak about it, he lived it. And because he demonstrated that, people saw it and his, and his glory um, was revealed. And so, I want you guys to remember that we find peace and life in Jesus. He produces the new wine. And so we see now in the second part, as I said, I'm going to cover the significance of that miracle. And now I'm going to cover the participation of the servants because this miracle involved other people. It didn't just involve Jesus. And this is what I love about God. He involves us in everything. He uses us to uplift his name, to give him glory. He doesn't just do it himself. He uses us. He helps us to preach the gospel, to share the love of Christ. And that's awesome. I think it's awesome that we get to be a part of what God's doing. And one of the things that really stuck out for me was the participation of these servants in the story. In this miracle or sign, we actually see the servants played a part. So Mary approaches them. I mean, Mary approaches Jesus and says, we have no more wine. And then after Jesus says, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Mary immediately turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. She says this because she knows who Jesus is. She knows who Jesus is cap- what Jesus is capable of. And she knows that he's the only one that can solve this problem. He's the only one that can bring life back to the celebration. So Jesus does something. He says to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they, and so they fill them. And then he told them to draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Jesus instructed them, and they obeyed. See, Jesus gave the instruction, but the servants also obeyed. They listened to him, because that's the authority that Jesus holds. When he speaks, we listen. And so we have Jesus in our hearts. We need to obey, and we need to listen to what he says, so that when he does tell us stuff, we'll move, and we'll obey him. You see, they cannot create the wine. You see, the servants never created the wine, but they did fill it with water. Jesus asked the servants to participate, and he could have easily done it himself, but he wanted them to participate because Jesus also reveals himself through people. Right? Jesus' love and peace and kindness and the signs and the wonders can be produced through you. Through you. Come on, guys. It's something that we... It's something that we can really grasp and understand that the Holy Spirit is inside of us and Jesus is within us. The authority that Jesus carries is within us. 
and we can pray for healing and we can pray for people. We can have the boldness and the courage to do the will of the Father because Jesus is inside of us and Jesus is our boldness. And so we don't do this in our own strength. And so this is what we saw. We saw the servants obey Jesus and fill the water and then Jesus turned it into wine. And this is the picture of how, how, how the experience of new wine or new life in Jesus actually works out in practice. We start to participate in what, G, in, G, in what Jesus wants us to do, like loving and serving people, praying for miracles, trusting God to help us in our everyday needs. Sometimes we have to do something as ordinary as filling a jar with water so that Jesus can create the new wine. There's an outflow, guys. There's a reason why the Lord wants us to obey him. Let the Holy Spirit guide us and lead us. But note that when they fill the water, it is not them that turns it into wine. It's him that creates the new wine. It's Jesus. It's not us. It's, not our, it's our jobs to fill the water. And it's our job to obey him, to be led by him. We have to learn to do whatever he tells us. Obedience is so important, guys. Obedience is important. When the Lord speaks, we go. When he tells us to go, we go. When he tells us to pray, we need to pray. To be a disciple, we have to obey the Lord and his instructions. We have to obey his instructions. We have to do whatever he tells us. And how do we do that? We keep his commands. We do whatever he tells us. We, we search the scriptures. We spend much time in prayer. We join a loving Jesus, a Jesus loving community, and we seek the Lord always. We don't seek the Lord alone, but we seek the Lord together in community because it's, we encourage one another. That's why you see Jesus walked with, his, walked with his disciples. The disciples were together, and it's awesome that they got to participate in that. <clears throat> so it's, it's through Jesus that we are able to do everything that he asks of us. See, and I know, this, I know that obedience can sometimes be scary because it requires us to get out of our comfort zones. We love to be in our comfort zones. So God will sometimes instruct us to go pray for someone, for healing. Um, maybe he'll ask you to encourage a stranger or to maybe quit your job and move cities. Maybe he wants you to help someone financially even though you don't have that much money. Sometimes he'll ask us to do stuff like that. And all of this stuff can be scary if we don't know the one who instructs us, if we don't know him, if we're not close to Jesus, it will be scary because our trust is in him. Our trust is in Jesus. See, knowing Jesus personally produces trust in him. It produces faith and confidence in him when we personally have a relationship with Jesus, when we know him. The new life in Jesus or the new wine gives us the boldness, it gives us the revelation the love for his people, and because of our love for Christ, we will do his will. Why did Jesus do as the Father asked? Because he was one with the Father. When Jesus spoke, I mean, when God spoke, sorry, Jesus went. Jesus claimed a lot that he was doing the will of his Father. And this is what I want you guys to hear. You see, when we begin to trust the Lord, we begin to value his instructions. And when we value his instructions, we begin to honor him with our decisions. I want to read that again. You see, when we begin to trust the Lord, we begin to value his instructions. And when we value his instructions, we begin to honor him with our decisions. Obedience becomes easy when we know Jesus. 
because we know that no matter what happens in our circumstances, God is with us. If our circumstances, if our circumstances change, God is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. It's in the Bible. He will never leave us or forsake us. And there's a story that I actually want to share with you guys when God told me to do, what he tells, um, do whatever he tells me to do. There was a moment where I knew that I had to obey the Lord and that no matter what he told me, I had to go. I got saved in 2013, so I was about in grade 10. I was 16, 17 years old. And when I got to like halfway through my trick, I turned away from God. I allowed the devil to mess with me and I got distracted and I turned away from God. And I wasted um, 2016 and most of 2017 wasting my life away, trying to fulfill this void in my heart, trying to find pleasures, pleasures in the world. And I came to a youth conference that was happening at Christian Center in 2017. And I was actually just coming to support my brother because he was sharing his testimony. And God impacted my life. God called me. And I remember when I, when I experienced the Lord, I, I remember, yes, I was crying because I was like, yo, I remember what it was like when I got saved in 2013. And I felt like I lost that. And so when I recommitted my life in 2017, I said, Lord, I've wasted so much time in my life. I know that my way is not the right way. So Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to trust you. And there was this boldness in my life and there was this faith that was in me that I said, Lord, I just want to do what you say because I know that my way is not the right way. So the God told me to go to Jeffrey's Bay to a gap year program. Now, this gap year program is awesome, but it's expensive. That's about, I think it was like 85,000 rand. And so my family wasn't in the financial situation to pay for me to go. And that's immediately what I thought. And then Jesus said, Laurent, I want you to trust me. So I said, okay, Lord. I had this like new sense of boldness and I was keen to trust God for this crazy miracle. So I said, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you tell me. So God said that I must apply, I must do what I need to do. Spoke to some of the leaders here in the church and I told my parents, guys, I need to go to Victory Gap Year. I need to go to this Gap Year program because this is where God's telling me to go and I just need to do it. And people were asking me like, where are you going to get the money from? I was like, I have no clue. God gave me an instruction and I need to, I need to do it. I just need to go to Jeffrey's Bay. So what I did was I applied um, and then they accepted me. They accepted me on the Tuesday and gap year started on the Saturday. I had to get, raise 5,000 rand for a registration fee. God provided that in a day. And then I was provided for different things in, um, that I needed for the gap year, like different like camping equipment and all of that. God provided for. And I remember my parents booked my bus ticket. And there was this buildup, like there was this anticipation because the closer it got to the day that I needed to go, there was still 85,000 rand missing. There's 85,000. I got, I got the, like, the registration fee. Awesome. Got the camping gear. Awesome. But I didn't have the vital thing that got me the ticket into the gap year. And I, I remember, like, people around me were freaking out. I wasn't freaking out, but people around me were freaking out. So I started freaking out. You know? And so I had to remember the word that God said. Laron, I want you to go to Victory Gap year. I want you to go to Jeffrey's Bay. So I had to like kind of separate myself from people and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. No matter what people say, I'm going to go. So we booked my bus ticket. Saturday arrived. My mom took me to the bus station. I'm there with my bags. Oh, before I sent an email to the Gap Year and I asked them if they could give me some time to raise funds if it needed to happen, right? 
So I just I requested, like, they just give me maybe some, a few months to raise the money. Like, I go to the gap year, and then during the year, I'll just raise the money and may try and make a way. And so that, they never replied to me. So Saturday arrives. We head to the bus station. There's me and my mom sitting there. I can see my mom's a bit like, she's freaking out. You know, and I remember I sat in the room with my parents, and I said, guys, I know this is scary, but I have to do this. I have to. Even if it was to the point where the money never came, I just have to do what God told me to do because this was about obeying him. And I sat with my parents and they were like, okay. So me and my mom were at the bus station and the bus arrives. Now my heart's beating. And my mom's like, Laurent, what if you get there and then they tell you you can't come? What are you going to do then? I'm like, I don't know. God told me to go, so I need to go. <laughs> I literally was like that. I was crazy. I would never have done something like that in the past. I was like, I like comfortability. I love it. But that was like a very uncomfortable situation. But here's the thing. My, my faith and my confidence wasn't in me. It was in knowing what God told me. And understanding that Jesus was inside of me and that he was going to look after me. So the bus comes. We pack my bags. And then um, the, door, the bus door opens. I hug my mom goodbye. And then I'm going, guys, I promise you, the second my foot touched the, the bus step, the second it did, I got a notif- notification on my phone. And I'm like, ooh, that's weird. I don't know why I randomly checked it, but I checked it. It was an email from the Gap Year that they accepted my request for sponsorship. They accepted it. And they told me they're going to give me time to raise money and that they're going to allow me to come through and do the Gap Year and then they're going to trust God with me to, um, to complete the Gap Year and trust that the, fi- the finances will come through. And here's the thing. Just like how... Um, the servants had to fill the jar with water. I had to take that step of faith and step on the bus. And it was literally the second I, my foot hit the bus, the email came. Then my mom cried in, in celebration. She was like, yes! She cried. I left. I was like stoked. I was excited. And I was like, yes. I was like, I remember I was in the bus. I'm like, yes! I was right! Yes, Lord! I was so stoked and I was so excited. Because I was like, man, this is going to be such a cool story in the future. I mean, imagine, like, God's with me. And I was so, I was so excited. And here's the other crazy part. The money never arrived until December that year. The money only arrived literally a week before graduation. The guy who runs the gap year. Now, you must remember, throughout the year, my dad would get emails about the outstanding amount. So you can imagine, uh, 40,000 and 50,000, my dad's like calling me, hey, Leron, hey, this thing. And then I would start freaking, I'm like, oh, dad, 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 trust God, trust God, trust God. I'm still here. They haven't told me to leave. Like, we're in in motion. (laughs) So I was trying to like calm my dad down. (laughs) And I remember the week before gap year, like that whole year was just God stretching my faith. That whole year. And I'm so glad, glad God did it. I'm so glad God did it. Yes, that's right. And I remember the week before graduation, um, Vili called me in the office. He sits me down. He's like, hey, Laurent, look, this amount is outstanding. Um, but yeah, man, I just wanted to tell you that, yeah, you're debt-free. The money's been paid for. And here's the other, I don't, even, I don't even know who paid it to this day. Someone just put in like 80,000 rand. And the story is so awesome. 
and it stretched me so much because it never came in January. God taught me something. He says, Laurent, I want you to do what I tell you. I want you to go to Jeffrey's Bay and I will provide the rest. I just need you to obey me. So the significance of the story is not the money, it's the obedience. And so everything in our lives, we have to remember, we have to do whatever Jesus tells us. And the outflow of what we're trusting for will happen, and it has to be according to his will. Because it was, it was God's will for me to go there. And it was awesome, guys. It was, it was great. I remember I called my dad. I'm like, Dad, do I have news for you? <laughs> and I told my dad, and it was amazing. And God taught me so much. And then when I was preparing this, I immediately thought of that story. Because, guys, we have to become Christians that we don't just come to church on Sunday, we don't just go to group on Wednesday, but we actually are Christians that are devoted to the Lord, devoted to His purpose and His will, and we will do what the Father tells us to do. And that can only be done in relationship with Him. It's not just about rules and obeying Him. God wants us to be close to Him. And our confidence and our boldness will come when we know Jesus personally. So that is what I want to encourage you with. Trust the Lord, whatever it is, whether it's finances, whether, whatever it is, guys, just remember Jesus is the one we look to. He's the one we look to. God will do crazy things in our lives. Look what the disciples did. I mean, the fact that Jesus turned water into wine was, it's mind-blowing. But, they tr but Jesus trusted the Father. The servants trusted Jesus. So let us become Christians. Let us become people that are devoted to the Lord and that we will obey him. Because I believe that Jesus came to die on a cross to restore us back to the Father, but he also came to model a way of life. So let's look to Jesus. Let's be like Jesus, who was totally dependent on God. Let us be totally dependent on God. Let us be led by the Father and let us do whatever he tells us. Just like Mary told the servants to do whatever Jesus told them to do. It's just like scripture says, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. So guys, let's be like Jesus and let's obey him. And I pray that the things that you take away from today's message is that there's new life in Jesus. There's new life in him, guys. Eternal life. An abundance of joy and an abundance of peace. And just like you see this wedding celebration, this is what Christianity is about. We're not supposed to be isolated. We're supposed to be living life in community. We're supposed to be helping each other, praying for one another, encouraging one another. That's what God has called us to be, to be a community. And it goes beyond a group. It goes beyond a Sunday service. It's us living life together.